Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour podcast. I am your host, Jeff Berman. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, I am playing a Divided Heaven song. It is the new Divided Heaven single, The Filthy 15. Yes, I'm playing that as the intro to this podcast, but for good reason, because this track was produced by my guest this week. He's a producer. He's also a bassist and one of the songwriters from the band Lost in Society, my good friend Nick Rurodi. Now, he's a good friend, but I did have to text him to double check how to pronounce his last name because I never knew and I had it misspelled in my cell phone for years because that's just how we roll this conversation between Nick and I it gets really inside baseball so I just want to kind of lay some groundwork for everybody listening Lost in Society and Divided Heaven have had similar experiences somewhat similar trajectories if you will but most importantly I feel like we've both suffered from the same poor decision making when it came to doing records, releasing music. And so we kind of get really deep into that. We get really deep into the Spotify issue, uh, the Spotify era, I guess I should say. And I hope that you find it fascinating. Two hardworking bands trying to figure out the best way to make it in such a weird and really unexpected landscape and musical climate that we find ourselves in. For the past decade, you know, we came up in an era when bands released records in a certain way. And then when it was our turn, everything was flipped on its head and everything that we thought we knew was no longer applicable. And this conversation is really Nick and I working through a lot of that and going back and thinking, well, maybe we could have done things differently. Here's what we could have improved. And we hope that you enjoy this conversation. Lost in Society have been on a tear in the last couple years. We talk about this in the podcast, but they just released another new single, a new EP rather, called Stay Jaded. And this is the third of kind of three pillar EPs. They had Eager Heart, they had Love and War, and now they have Stay Jaded. All of them are great. What we're going to expect from the band coming up, we'll have to wait and see, but that's what we reference here in this podcast. So thanks for tuning in. The Berman Hour podcast, of course, is sponsored by our lovely friends at New Wave, who are bringing us Flow State Coffee, coffee for creativity, for creative types like Nick and myself and potentially you. Go to newwave.co slash Berman and get 10% off your order of your new favorite coffee. N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N. All right. Now, without much further ado, let's get Nick in here. Let's start this podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Berman Hour, everyone. Oh, it looks I think the baby looks just like Rocky. Like Rocky? <laughs> That's her name. Her name's Rocky. Oh, oh I, thought yeah, it, yeah. I thought you were saying like some controversy. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> They're like, oh, Berman's baby looks like Jared Hart. Like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. They should change their name from Mercy Union to Milkman Union. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's a very cute baby. That's a very cute baby. You got one on your hands, too. Thank you. Oh, we got your card, by the way. The birthday asset. Great. Great. Uh, did I send you two? 
I don't think so. Okay, good. Because I I sent people... That's what hap- that happened last month. I sent people duplicate thank you notes. I forgot to send thank you notes to other people that I needed to send thank you notes to. I sent multiple <laughs> no, birth announcements to certain people. I just lost my fucking mind this month. In, in a good way. In no good worries. Way. No worries. You got baby brain. Baby brain. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um. So where where are you at the moment? Are you at home? Oh, yeah. You've got so, like the world's loneliest Indiana Jones hat on the wall behind you. <laughs> this is you couldn't uh, decorate it. You couldn't put anything else on the wall. <laughs> no, it's just a hat. This is the room you guys stayed in. It's there's more stuff in it. This view looks sadder than the other view. Like so, like this is now. Um, you remember when you were here? This is the room yeah. you guys slept in. So this room is now Daryl's office. Okay. So like I'm sitting against the windows at her like she's got a bunch of monitor setups going on over here and I just built a closet. So we got like a closet going on now cuz I think this nice. room was just a big empty space basically when you guys were here. Yeah, I just remember the bed. I mean, it was comfortable and we appreciated it. Yeah. Um uh, where is your studio set up? So it used to be at our space in Long Branch. Us and like HR Design and Build and uh, this dude named Zach West, um, who used to be in this band called Athletics. He has a men's grooming line called Sheer Revival. So we had, we got like a commercial space with him over in this town by us called Long Branch. Uh-huh. And he played in bands. So when we got the commercial space, we wanted to put like a music space upstairs. So we had that, and that's where all the stuff was set up. But he ended up moving, and it was too big for just us to have. So um, we're in like a weird transition phase right now. Oh, no. So I have everything in my basement, mostly. We're going to start practicing tomorrow at uh, the new spot, which is just, there's this place in Asbury Park called the Hot Dog House. And it's just like monthly rehearsal rooms. We used to practice there back in the day, but it's like right on the main road there on Cookman. And it's a giant pain in the ass to do anything uh, because there's never any parking. Sure. And it's it's just a nightmare. So it's really just like a, a temporary fix. Yeah. Um, just Ultimately, do you want to end up in your basement though? No. I want no. a, I want like a, a space again, like yeah. a full on uh space for us for the band yeah i like just having i mean we don't have the biggest house so to take it up with musical stuff uh and just the fact that like daryl works from home yeah it's kind of not uh conducive to that sure sure well fair enough well are you from jersey originally yeah so zach and i both grew up here i should take that back (laughs) I was born in Massachusetts and I lived in Massachusetts for five years. And then, uh, but my parents were both from New Jersey. So like, it was kind of like a one, two kind of punch scenario. Like both my grandfathers kind of got sick at the same time. So we moved from Massachusetts down to New Jersey uh, when I was about, when I was like six, I guess. And then um, I've been here since then. And I, I don't, plan on going anywhere <laughs> <laughs> but and then my parents actually live in maryland now 
Right. So they moved right. like right after I graduated high school, they moved down to um, a town called Bel Air, like outside in, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, I know Bel Air. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. So you're Jersey through and through. All day. Yeah. All day. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. is it about New Jersey? Are people prideful because other people shit on New Jersey? So if people feel they need to amplify their pride, or do people amplify their pride because they really feel like New Jersey is the greatest place in the world? That is a uh, a really good question. I wouldn't make the joke. I mean, I have made the joke, but I'm not going yeah. to make the joke. And as an, a New Yorker or a former New Yorker anyway, people in New York City make the joke about Jersey all the time. But that's just an antiquated way of showing that you're an absolute douchebag, <laughs> right? Yeah. But people from New Jersey are very prideful of that. And I've interviewed a few people on this podcast who are from New Jersey, and I I try to get them to put it into some sort of tangible, articulate explanation. So what have you got for me? Oh, man. I don't really have one, I don't think. I just feel like it, at this point, it's like kind of like an identity thing. You know what I mean? Especially at being in a band and uh, traveling. And everyone's like, oh, where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from? It's like the first question, basically. I just think at this point, it has just become like a major part of my identity. I'm from New Jersey. My parents are like, oh, we have to move to Maryland. And I was like, that's cool. I'm not coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> see you guys later. <laughs> yeah, good call for sure. Good call. Yeah. All right. My brother's doing my brother's doing good down there, but it's uh it's not for me. And my mom is like, she's she's trying to find her way back. Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, she can move into the room that you're in. <laughs> Dude, she comes up uh, on a fairly regular regular basis, and this is, this is her spot. Nice, nice. When did you and Zach start playing together? And then when did Hector kind of get into the, uh, the trio? Um, so I've been playing with Zach since I was 13. That's like when we started Lost in Society, essentially. And that was what, like four Two- or five years ago? Yeah, right. Uh, so that was 2000 and <laughs> 2004 or five. Okay. So like we're going on. Oh no. What am I talking about? Wait, I'm just trying to do the math here. Am I 10 years older than you? How old I are you? I think I'm 29. Yeah. I'm 39. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> I never, I never knew that. <laughs> I just thought we were the same age. So you were born in 1992. 91. July 91 my birthday all right so my birthday full disclosure is in like a week July 5th I'll be 30 okay cool yeah I'm basically 30 I should have said I was 30 I'm just trying to hold on (laughs) to the 20s (laughs) no it's cool you be honest it's not like you're fucking creed from the office like yeah well I'm 30 well actually in in November I'll be 30 no (laughs) no But uh, so, All right, so you guys started yeah. playing together when you were when you were just entering your teenage oh, yeah. years. We were in middle school, and like he had on a he had on a Green Day shirt. He had just gone to see Green Day on uh, the American Idiot tour, and they played at Continental Airlines Arena. And I had just like said something to him because we were in homeroom together in eighth grade. I'd met him when we were in seventh grade, but he was kind of a dickhead, so. I didn't, we didn't really like, we just knew each other, but in eighth grade, like he had the green day shirt on and I said something to him and then we started playing and our friend, we were friends with this uh, kid named Hardu 
and Hardu was our first drummer. And I actually played guitar when we first started the band. So, and we were like trying to find bass players. And I had originally wanted to play bass um, when we, mm-hmm. when like I had started learning a lesson. But when my mom called like uh, the music school, they said that it'd be easier for me to go from guitar to bass. So I should just learn guitar. Fair enough. I'd say that's an astute observation slash yeah, argument. I, I yeah. think, I think in the long run, it worked out pretty well because I do enjoy playing guitar. And then Hector, honestly, he just like, he willed himself into the band. Um, <laughs> I, I swear to God, he like, we had no, uh, like no thought of kicking out our drummer and Hector met us through a mutual friend and he was like, your band's pretty good. He's like, but your drummer sucks. I want to be in your band. And we're like, oh, okay, guy, like <laughs> coming on real strong here. It just kind of happened. <laughs> we ended yeah, up, fair enough. yeah, parting ways. And then Hector's been in the band at this point for at least 10 years. Is the first drummer on any of your records? Hector. Hector is. We recorded, I know Hector is, but is your yeah. first drummer on any of the records? We recorded an EP in like 2008, maybe 2007. That is not on the internet anymore. It's not very good. I mean, it's fine, <laughs> but uh, that was it. That's all we recorded with him. But honestly, one of the reasons too was like the producer, John, was like, you guys need a new drummer too. He was like, the, Hardu was, you know, we were kids and like it wasn't like a s- serious kind of thing yet. I think Zach and I were always like, we want to do this. Like we want to tour. We like want to give it a shot. It was just not in like hard news, I guess, like life path kind of. Yeah, um, as these things tend to happen. Yeah, yeah. That, that's for sure. So at what point did you guys really switch gears? Because when I met you, it was the summer of 2014. We were both on the Warp Tour that year. Yeah. And for people that remember the Warp Tour, know the Warp Tour, it's, it's a grueling tour. It, it really oh, yeah. is. So if you know someone who's in a band and they say, yeah, I go on tour from time to time. You have a basic idea of what that might be like. But then Warp Tour is kind of a different animal. Did you guys graduate into that sort of touring or did you just kind of jump into the deep end? Where were you at that point in your young budding careers when we met? So we had already been touring hard. That was probably like the hardest period was that 2014. Um, Because that year we had like, we had done South by Southwest. We had done punk rock bowling already. So that like warp tour at that point was kind of just like the end. We started even in, even when we were in high school still, we were doing like three day weekend runs. Yeah. So we'd like take my mom's minivan, like load up, do like uh, Philly and then like Cleveland and Cincinnati and come home and then do like New York and then like somewhere in Connecticut and then come home. And then Zach and I went to college for two years. We did like our freshman year and our sophomore year. And uh, we were Where'd taking- Where'd you go? So there's a small college by us called Monmouth University. Okay. And it's yeah. literally like right next to the town that we grew yeah. up in. You know, your parents, our parents wanted us to go to, the, to go to college. So we did the whole thing. 
I mean, it ended up just being like a giant waste because I dropped out. We both dropped out because um, we were going for a music industry. So at some point we were both like, this is stupid. Like, why are we doing this? We should just tour. So we both dropped out and uh, we deferred because we were going to go back. And then that just never happened. And we just started touring. Yeah. And we just started touring like as much as we could. Yeah. Yeah. But but when I met you that summer, Mm -hmm. if my math is correct, the record that has the songs that were kind of my introduction to you guys are on Modern Illusions, which came out in 2016. Yep. And then you have a, a record that came out in 2012. Yep. Well, and while it's not unusual for there to be four year gaps between records, I'm one to talk like it happens. Right. <laughs> but but uh, those songs that were on Modern Illusion were kind of floating around on the Internet. 2013, 2014, 2015. We are awful at releasing. I should say we were awful at releasing music like so bad at it. So we had a record that we made in 2009 that came out in 2010 it's called eastern empire and that is no longer on the interwebs um i think i think there's some there's some uh 12 inches floating around somewhere of it oh it's on wax yeah it's on vinyl oh our wow fr- our friend pressed it for us our friend was like i want to start a label so he pressed it for us and Famous it's last like words yeah and it's the song i mean the songs aren't bad um it's just very young and yeah. It sounds. It doesn't sound bad, but it sounds weird. Um, and then we had 2012, Let It Sail. And then we recorded a in 2014 all those songs that you knew essentially. Yeah, we had just recorded in January of that year, and we were like, we want to put out this record. Uh, you know, and we did the thing. We tried chopping it and whatnot, and pulling whatever strings we could pull and then just nothing. And two years later, <laughs> <laughs> nothing happened. So it came out like February of 2016, but we had been playing literally all those songs for at least two years, probably a little longer. I just, I got to make a timeout for a second because there are people that I'm very thankful people that listen to this podcast who were not, in tune with the music world that you and I are, are a part of. Uh-huh. And it's so, you know, if you watch like real, not real bands, but you know, if you watch a doc on, on Bowie or, uh, or Dylan or any of these really prolific artists yeah. over the years, like there might be kind of like a snafu with a label where it's like, well, they didn't want to release the record or I had a record finished or whatever. But the gap between when that snafu and issue happens to when the record actually comes out is usually like seven months. Like it's like, no matter how litigious it gets, it's never really that long. But when it comes to bands like, like our size, when we get it in the, in our heads, like, yeah, well we have a record that's finished. It's mixed and mastered. The artwork is done and everything, everything, but, but like we go through fits where we have, either not enough pride to do it ourselves or we have too much pride to do it ourselves. So we end up kind of being strung along by labels or misreading, you know, I've, I feel like I spent six months in 2017, like misreading an email from a label that I, you know, it was just like, I was so in my fucking head about it. Something I had written down to that effect here. Do you find that you guys have gotten caught on the wrong side of decision-making 
more than oh, some yeah. of your peers? Oh, all I absolutely. Yeah. Like I if I would have so I have certain friends in bands that one of my really good friends from high school is this dude Gabe. He played in a band called Sync Tapes. And he released the amount of music that he has written is like prolific, like records upon records upon records upon records to the point where like in a two year span, like he might have four releases. And it was just something that was like, like, I don't know, maybe that's too much. And then like, I see, I know a couple other bands because even like, uh, like Jared for the scan, the scandals, like perfect example, like, they they didn't have like an insane number of releases whereas like i feel like i was at least for us it was like we were scared to release too much stuff and then that would make us not release anything almost yeah and then we would always get stuck in this weird limbo period of these just really long gaps of not putting stuff out so and in like, the meantime you don't want to stop touring exactly so you don't stop touring exactly yeah and then you end up playing all these songs and then what happens is oh that actually so what you said um about like i feel like this stuff was floating around on the internet so we had we did a tour with dead sarah in 2015 and when we like did the tour, we were like, yo, we're going to be playing in front of like good crowds. Like this is going to be like a good supporting tour. We don't have anything to sell of songs that we were going to be playing in our set. Like none of it. So we actually, um, I screen printed and hand poly wrapped CDs just like for the tour. And that's part of the reason that that happened. Yeah, because we had all these essentially we like bootlegged to the own our own record essentially <laughs> because it wasn't pressed <laughs> was that modern illusions or a yeah a, a that was modern of illusions. It? yeah okay it was because all the songs had been done so it was just like a very simple artwork it didn't it didn't even have a name i don't think maybe at that point so it literally just is like an all-seeing eye and then it says lost in society and it's all yeah. black and like screen printed and then the back is screen printed white and the order might the order might even be the same okay so like we had this full concept i guess almost that we literally sat on it's like cuz you almost get paralyzed by the indecision because you're like somebody we're at the point like we were doing all these cool things you're like oh we're on warp tour Punk rock somebody should want to put this somebody record out somebody should want to put this record out exactly yeah. and then two years later it doesn't come out and then you just put it out yourself like an idiot do you have a specific fictitious figure in your mind that you think of when you're in that self-editing process what do you mean i realized i mean we'll get into the fact that you and i worked on a divided heaven song together which is you know maybe the best thing you've ever done maybe maybe solid. maybe, maybe. Solid. but we'll get into that but when i was kind of on the fence about whether or not to release it i had this come to jesus moment where i realized that 
anytime I was updating my Facebook profile or the the bio tagline in my Instagram account or my Twitter, whatever, or now you have a little bit more access to kind of edit your Spotify page and do certain things. Mm. I would always do it and I would always edit it from the perspective of what I imagined some fictitious record label executive would see when they look at it. So I would want to envision it through somebody else's eyes who was like, who, like what my savior, you know, like some random person from RCA is going to be like, yo, what's this Berman guy up to? Ooh, I really like how he put this young blood song after this, you know, from his first, it's like, no, like no one fucking cares. And then when you come to realize that all of these platforms are, free so they're essentially robbing us of our livelihood even though we put more and more content onto it oh yeah it just kind of made me really it, it, it sickened me in in that few week span this is a few months ago where i just kind of i got really upset at myself for allowing myself to spend so many years worrying about what these fictitious managers or fictitious booking agents or fictitious label execs are going to think about what I'm putting out when essentially they're going to a page that they don't have to pay for to listen to my music for free that they don't have to pay for to judge me mercilessly, which chances are they're not even doing. So I'm just putting that burden on myself. And so on top of that sort of, you know, sulking that I was doing, I started to think about 2017 and 2016 and 2015 eras of, of divided heaven where I was really second guessing everything and kind of got into the same, you know, uh, uh, vicious cycle as, as what yeah. you guys were doing and what you just described. So my question to you is, in a long-winded way, who who were your masters at that point? Like, who, what was the most important thing for you when, when you guys were trying to find that balance? Who were you um, trying to please? I definitely think that that was something at that time – I was definitely way more conscious about not even conscious, but like definitely cared more about like, Oh, like, uh, you know, I'm about to send an email to so-and-so like, I have to make sure that like everything would be on point. If this person looks at our social media, I think as far as like, you know, you, you have your, side one dummies and epitaphs and all that stuff that you kind of go for. But I don't know, like you said, man, I, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it like, I don't want to get into that like hole I got into the last time we spoke on the phone where I'm just like, nothing matters. I <laughs> see. That's what I'm trying to pull out of you, Nick. That's what I want. Oh, you're trying, you're trying yeah. to pull out that. All right. Well, I'm tired of editing out shit from my podcast <laughs> interviews where it's like, I, I, I won't say who, but I did a really great interview with somebody uh, a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. And it was someone I didn't really know. And the conversation that we had that ended up on the podcast, I thought was like pretty good. The conversation he and I had after I stopped recording was like way better, but it was just, you know, it was full of things. It, that you know yeah that he could just freely say yeah you you know like worried about like we might have been you know like hunted down by dms or something if i would (laughs) you know (laughs) 
<laughs> but it was just much more interesting. So I'm not I'm not trying to get you into trouble or hot water with anything, or yeah. certainly like not disparaging any of the labels that our bands have worked with. But yeah, it was just an interesting parallel when I was kind of going through and doing some research for this interview, where I realized that you guys got into a bad habit of of oh yeah of waiting and i just i was sure i wasn't sure if it was second guessing or, or or what it really was it's just it you get caught up in in the people that you think have power in the scene being like i'll do this thing for you let me do this thing for you and then all it is it's not helping you it's hurting you because that record could have came out in 2014 and even if we would have put it out ourselves it would have done better with the momentum that we had in 2014 than the momentum that we had in 2016 sure you know we were doing a lot of cool stuff so we should have just dropped the record that was done and ready to go instead of waiting two years to do it ourselves anyway yeah I would say that you guys have turned a corner because the last three EPs that you've done, and there have been some singles, if I remember correctly as well, that haven't ended up on the EPs that were just kind of like one-off releases or Mm -hmm. uh, the flexi disc you did for, for kid, I guess it was. Yeah, that was like a, but that was another thing that was like realizing let it sail came out in 2012, then waited two years to 2016 to put out modern illusions and then it was like we started to get into the same thing with like like eager heart wasn't supposed to be an ep like those songs were just like okay we're gonna take these five songs and like record them really well and I was just going to do like a quick master of them so we could like try to send them around to people and then, mm-hmm. then be almost like a demo. And then we just said, fuck it. Why? Let's just put it out. And then I think, I don't remember when, I don't remember the order of Eager Heart and Kid, but I think the Kid Flexi came after or might have come before. I think I it was remember. before. I remember it being on the table. It might yeah. be. You might be right. That might 2017, have been 2017, maybe? Yeah. And that really was just like trying to just not like go another two to three years without putting out music <laughs> for right. no reason. Dude, because we were right. in, 2000, in 2015, like we wrote 30 songs. And it's 2020. And that batch of songs in in 2015 that we finished, that like the out of the 12 we decided to record, they're just coming out now. That's insane. Why did we do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you changing your priorities for releasing music going forward? I've done everything that you think you're supposed to do by being in a band. Like – I recorded at big fancy recording studios. I put out full length record after full length record. It doesn't matter. So like I personally, as far as actual full lengths go, 
I'm like very into this whole kind of thing that we've done of EPs, 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 just because like the attention span of everybody is like so fast now, even just Mm -hmm. the way Spotify itself works. Like you need to be having releases. I do think that having something physical is nice. And unfortunately, like EPs kind of don't, they're in like a weird spot, kind of. They're not cost effective to press because it's expensive and then the price point's low. And yeah, it's a, and you know, I I hate to say this and sound like the old dude in the room, but a 10 years difference is is a big difference in terms of this. When I first started going and and to to shows and, and integrating myself into the punk rock community, bands didn't release records every year. Yeah, or every other year they would release a new seven inch every year, and if we were lucky, a band like the Boils or Violence Is Height would have a, a a seven inch and then a split seven inch that same year. So you would get eight or nine, depending, you know, new songs per year. But that was that was it, and and that was what everybody bought. It was like three dollars, and yeah. if you had to pay five dollars for a seven inch, it was kind of outrageous. Now. The, you have to the price point. You have to sell them for bucks. at least eight. Yeah, you and know? that's not even. Uh, did, you know, did you guys run into difficulty with that when you pressed Eager Heart, which was the first of these kind of three EPs of this new era? It was really just to do something, right? Sure. Like I didn't want to be. I wanted it to be like. Uh, I didn't want it to just be a digital release because we hadn't released some stuff in so long um so i was like all right like let's just do this kind of it'll be something right for press Mm -hmm. and it'll be a little bit it'll give us something to sell when we tour but you know it's not like it's a you pay for it all up front at the end of the day like what do you actually make off of it (laughs) you know yeah yeah so it was really just to have at the merch table like to look good i guess in the display a means to an end yeah Yeah. absolutely so eager heart and then love and war and then the new one which came out a few weeks ago stay jaded yep and if all these songs very interesting kind of come from a 2015 epic writing session yeah what relief do you feel right now dude i can't even like I just said, like it blows my mind that we wrote some of these songs in like 2015 and it's 2021 right now. And like, so the last two, so, uh, necessary and, um, can't come back. Those songs were written in 2015. (laughs) Like I remember doing them. Like we were in like a, we were practicing in like this kid Adam's garage that we just like met on the internet and like we became friends with we just like made a post online because we had like lost where we were practicing. And uh, he was like, Oh, you guys can practice in my garage. And we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> just like <laughs> random person. And we ended up becoming friends with him. Uh, he actually lives out in California now, but it's, I just don't want to do that again. <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Did you like the idea of, writing that many songs with the with the intention of whittling them down to 10 or 12 and having that be the record like did you did you find the whole exercise futile or did you enjoy it but were soured by it after the fact because 
you know, it took six years to get all of the songs out. So for every record prior, like it was always, well, we got eight songs that we've been playing on tour that sound pretty good. So three days before we go into the studio, let's just try to rip out two more songs that we kind of aren't really going to remember how to play when we actually get into the studio. (laughs) So like, let's do that. And then it was always just like having eight songs that we felt really good about. And then like two or three songs that we were just like, I don't know where this is going to go. So I think we wanted to get to a point where we could be like, okay, we have 25 songs. Let's like whittle those 25 songs down to like 15. Then from those 15, let's make sure those 15 are good. Like we can get those 15 to the best place that they could possibly be in. And then after that, we're only, we're going to record like 13 and then we're going to release 10. It didn't quite work out that way. Cause there was even definitely just some like self editing stuff that ended up happening. Like, yeah. Days before we recorded. Um, but it's cool having like almost like a graveyard of song parts, I guess. And being like, okay, um, we have a new, like, like say if like we wrote a new song and be like, this part's really cool, but this other part was kind of just like a filler. I didn't really like it. Like, how could this part be better? And then being like, oh, you remember that thing that we did on that other song that we never did anything with? That's really interesting. Have you been able to do that going forward with the new stuff that you've written? Um, so like, we did it. We're like kind of in the process of just like taking. So, cause since Sam joined the band, it's been like a different kind of dynamic, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we, between me, between Zach, Sam and I, like we've just been kind of um, just doing like garage band demos and stuff. So, like sometimes like I'll hear like a song and be like, Oh, I have like this part of this like other song that I think might fit in your song for like either a part that you don't have yet. Um, and then we can kind of just like, I don't have a good specific example of that. Um, actually the a one song, uh, that was on love and war hell ended up taking we like took some parts from another song that we had demoed and like changed Mm -hmm. some stuff around in that one, particularly the other, the other stuff kind of was like, um, was pretty like fleshed out, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it's something that we've kind of been able to like start thinking about now about like taking, cause we have about, I say we have eight songs that we just never did anything with Mm -hmm. just kind of in demo form. Um, and there's definitely some stuff that I was like, Oh, I think this would be cool here. Yeah. Interesting. There's still meat on the bones. I I find that I can't remember stuff. I guess I have a faculty where I dismiss it if I know, or it's decided that it's not going to be on the record and it's therefore it's not going to be fully mixed and therefore it's not going to be. Yeah seen through to its full potential, even if it ends up getting rejected, I kind of dismiss it from my mind, I guess, to make space for 
it's definitely useless like a- wrestling knowledge and other shit. <laughs> but yeah, but that's cool to know that you kind of or you guys are able to draw upon those uh, ideas that weren't good fits for other things. The only but- reason that I'd say that we'll, we kind of could reference that though is because like we something we had never done before is prior to 2015 was do demos. So like that. I would say that that us writing those 25 songs was like the start of the path to me recording to like where I'm at now to have been able to do like the two songs that are on stage aided. Like that was, that was the start. It's been like a five year, six year, I guess, cause it's 2021 like path basically from like recording shitty demos on just like a scarlet interface, you know, one of those focus right scarlets, like two drum mics on the drums, just like kind of live ripping through stuff, then going back, re-recording vocals. Um, Cause we, like I said, we never demoed. So that's as good of a segue as I could have ever asked for, because I did want to ask you about <laughs> your, your production yeah. and uh, you know, full disclosure, I, I had some old songs that I had balked at from th- what ended up being the Pacific Avenue era of Divided Heaven, which was, to me, I look back on it as kind of being, I don't know, it, it was like No Man's Land, it was kind of aimless, but it was also songs from the band Heart Racers that my bass player and I were in, and then we tried to bring it under the Divided Heaven umbrella. And anyway, because of all of that, I felt really uneasy about releasing a number of those songs. And I sent you a few, we figured out the Filthy 15 was kind of the standout of these. And you straight up polished the turd, in my opinion, (laughs) with your production work. And you made it rip, you made it loud, and you really brought it to life. We added some 2020, you know, uh, stuff to it, some 2021 stuff to it, you know, just some some new backing vocals and some, you know... uh, uh, just a fresh coat of paint yeah and uh i'm curious was it out of necessity or out of want that you decided to start sitting in the production chair and it, is it something that you want to keep pursuing with other artists um it's de- it was definitely both so i had um i had interned like i was very into the first ep that we made we made um with this dude named john Leadersorf at uh at the time his house and he had for like a home studio setup like a legit home studio setup like an is ssl this e- is this the eager heart ep no so this was this is this is like 2009 this is the oh, EP way that back. We made, okay. this is the ep that we made with our first drummer got it that is no longer on the internet um so we did an EP there and I was just just amazed by like everything. And I started interning at the recording studio then. And I was in high school at this point. So I would just go there like uh, after school um, and kind of just like hang out, do whatever, change guitar strings. Like I remember one time they picked up like a, uh, like a, like a Hammond, like a B3 and it was in like, sitting in like a warehouse and it was like covered in dirt and ratchet. And I sat there with like a toothbrush and I just like scrubbed the whole thing and just like 
shitty stuff like that. But I was in high school and I like got to hang out in a recording studio every day. It was awesome. So that's why I ended up going to school for, um, for music industry. I like wanted to focus on production. Right. And then we kind of just started touring and like all that kind of stuff kind of had fallen by the wayside. And, uh, when we got to the point of wanting to write all these songs, I, you know, just took the reins of that, of those responsibilities and being like, yeah, let's do this to demo, like this kind of stuff. Like, this is what we need, blah, 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 blah. And then, so that was like 2015. And then I think the first thing that we ever did that we released was, um, we released like a B side. I don't remember when that was. Uh, called I'm I remember because I remember because yeah. I remember I called you and I was you like, said, don't, "Don't call it a B side. Don't call it a B side. People don't need to know." <laughs> which which is how we shouldn't have done. But I think that I think the main reason of we wanted to call it a B side was because like that was the first thing that I did. Like soups nuts. Like we recorded it. It we didn't intend for it to be released. Uh, so it was like the reason this sounds not as good is because. <laughs> This is a B side. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was like, excuse the shitty production. It's a B side. I know. And then I think I, I think I messaged you again when I saw the artwork and and it said actually said the phrase yeah, B side on the artwork and I was like, uh. yeah, you're like, don't do it, don't do it. Um, and then that kind of like was, I mean, those demos were the catalyst, and then it like led to that. And then sometime around like 2018, I just was like in like a funk with like music kind of. I was like, fuck this. This is stupid. Like I wasn't having a good time like doing it. I was like, yeah. I'm not I'm not having fun. So I kind of had to like not force myself, but find like a new way to connect um, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it was like getting into that and just like collecting gear. We were, we were very lucky that we like had a space that we could dedicate to that at the time, you know? And, uh, and it kind of just like went from there. Um, and I've kind of been, I've been doing like a little thing. So like me and Sam, um, the other guitar player in lost in society, we've done some like side project stuff that we've worked on that, um, his brother is out in Albuquerque. So like we kind of just did stuff remotely during quarantine and we kind of just like worked on it, got all that together. Uh, my friend in, uh, my friend Tom has a band called grist mill and they're like a, um, they're like a doom metal band. So I did some mastering stuff for them. It's all right now. It's definitely like, um, all friends really. But mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely something I want to keep doing um, because I, I mean, even for just Lost in Society going forward, like the thing that sucks is that like you, you, you basically have to give your music away for free, right? So I look at it as like a longevity thing, whereas like I don't want to have to put an expiration date on being in a band. Like I don't, there's no point. For, for me, at least, like, Zach, Hector, Sam, they're my best friends. I'm, I'm going to be with them anyway. So, like, why would we say that we're, like, breaking up? There's no point to do that. Yeah. So, 
I kind of looked at it more so as like, this can be, this is the move we need to make for the longevity of the band as we get older, as uh, we come into the responsibilities of adulthood. Like, this is the move we need to make. So it was definitely want, but it was definitely necessity as well. Nice. You have anything on the table right now that you're working on? Um, I wish that I did. <laughs> right, for those in podcast land, if you need a producer or you need something mixed or you need something mastered. Yeah. Hit, hit me up. up. Nick. Yeah. Um, um, we're doing, I got some, we got some stuff that we have to do. Um, just like some comp stuff that we were asked to be a part of uh, that I kind of got to, that we're going to do for that. I really think it'd be cool to just also after Lost in Society, like write a bunch of, sh- bunch, bunch of songs is to just take all the gear, pack it up, like all the recording stuff, go rent a house somewhere for a week, set everything up and then like record in like a cabin somewhere. Just because we've never made a record where like that's the only thing that we have to focus on. It's always mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to be at work at this time. Like I can do my parts in this time period. Like I can't be there when you guys are doing anything else. So it'd be cool to kind of just focus and be able to go somewhere just with the purpose of making a record instead of trying to like fit it into a schedule, I guess. Yeah. Is there a record on the horizon or are you guys going to keep riding this EP mentality train for a, a few more years? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you get here on the Berman Hour, baby. Yeah. That's what you get. Those, those tough questions. I mean... I, I'm going to interject and say something uh, that... Uh, I mean this uh, tenderly because we're friends. I agree... I'm, I, I want to agree with you about the EP thing, but my pride won't let me. (laughs) So I'm losing my patience with Spotify with each passing day. Oh yeah. I'm finding the data to be uh, more. I used to find it useful. Now I find it cumbersome. I used to find the idea of kind of, setting you know my release dial so to speak to the idea of how the algorithms on that platform work but i think like the only thing it has going for it is the user experience as a user it's fantastic yeah i think everything else it really it's kind of clunky and there's a whole side of it that's shrouded in mystery but then it makes you realize that well the artists that are already popular are going to continue to get plays. And then, well, why is that happening when they put out a record that sucks? And it's like, Oh, well it's, it's like a 2021 version of payola in, in yeah. a lot of ways. Oh, and yeah. there's a lot, there's more traps than there are opportunities, which means that to me, something stinks. Yeah. I got to remember what my point was. Yes. The EP versus LP thing. <laughs> I, with my new record that hopefully will be out in the fall, I tried to make something that would be undeniable to to people. You know, it's music, so it's subjective. Like, whether they like the songs or not, like, it's mm-hmm. fine. Whether they like me or not, 
who the fuck knows? Like that's that's not what I mean. But to try to make something that as a record is undeniable. And taking that mentality into the arena where it can be debated, like kind of like more or less how we are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A number of people that I've interviewed on the Berman Hour over the past year, I've asked them the question, like, well, what what do you prefer? Do you prefer singles? Do you prefer EPs? I haven't heard anybody say, I prefer singles because I like oh, them. I prefer records. Yes, but everybody's doing singles because that's <laughs> the climate that we're in. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I so absolutely whether it's, prefer records. Yeah, so whether it's it's you or me or it's like these teeny bopper country stars that I was interviewing all summer last year for Hello TV who are just releasing singles because that's what their management's telling them to do. Mm-hmm. But they're even they who didn't grow up, you know, putting records on turntables, they prefer records. Yeah. And the EP thing kind of gets caught in the middle. And I talked with uh, Greg Marquis. Uh, yeah, 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 Greg Marquis. And he's like, yeah, my new record, it's it's seven songs. And I'm like, well, that's an EP technically. EP, like, no, yeah, yeah. no, it's a record. It's seven songs fully fleshed out that are very good. There's no filler. It's a new record. It's not a fucking EP. And I was like, yo, that comp, that's where it's at. Having that confidence <laughs> and just pushing it forward. I just got an email. He's, I, I'm getting it. I bought a record. And I'm finally getting it this week because it, it was backed up. But my point is, I think that the mentality that we have around the Spotify ideal is purely toxic. And I'm like kind of counting down the days to where we can like shed it. Like, I mean, yeah. Like were you guys a band when MySpace was a a thing was a musical destination? Oh yeah. That was like the, I mean, we, something that I think is very, I don't know whether we kind of came up in that weird space of like, uh social media it was just starting it was right. it was always a thing for us in a band right myspace was there day one for us when we started playing so we kind of came up in this like as everything was very drastically changing and you know we kind of just did the like I said before, we did all the things we thought we were supposed to do, you know? Um, so like another thing too, is that I felt that with the EPs, um, we were kind of in like a, almost like a transition kind of not so much in the start of doing the EPs. Cause the first like your heart was kind of like a necessity kind of, yeah. We're just like, oh, let me just put these songs out. Like, we need something out. Um, and then Sam got thrown in the mix when we had songs written already, which was kind of like a weird, like, in-between scenario. So then we wrote some songs with Sam, and then we, like, recorded those. So at least, like, he would have, like – not that he didn't feel like he had skin in the game, but, like, had a little skin in the game with, like yeah, – oh. some equity in the bands. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Um. I think that now that we don't really have to worry about setting up studio time and spending a whole bunch of money, spending a whole bunch of money and resources and putting them into different things, um, 
I definitely would be more open to doing a full length in the future, especially to like, if we have 10 songs that we think are like ripping and like, it feels good. And like, we're all stoked on it. Then I'd be down to do it. But at the time with the EPs, like we came off of those two years of doing nothing with modern illusions, putting modern illusions out, it just doing whatever, you know, and then we put out the EP and eager heart. It was like the most, the least amount of money we spent on anything we'd ever done. And we put it out and it did the best out of anything. It was like literally one of those things threw it at the wall and it just stuck. And we're like, what just happened? Like there was so little foresight into doing it versus like the full length. Then we were like, well, that worked. Yeah. So, you know. Absolutely. We're at three now, probably four. We have like an acoustic EP somewhere in the middle. If you want to call it that, like. The Clash EP. Yeah. You guys guys have EP'd OD'd, I think. think. We've literally released. We had the most amount of releases from like 2020 to 2021 than we had all the years prior of us being in a band, which has been a really long time combined. Yeah. So maybe not to that extent so much, but like, you know, just keep it, just keep it going. That's what we can hope for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to pick a fight with you about it. Oh no, I, this is a great conversation. Like, yeah, I want to have like a preferential thing. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to somebody that's just going to say yes and agree with me on everything. But no, but here, here's my point. And because we're friends, like I, I think that we probably view each other's catalogs as such. If I look back at 2020 as, as a fucking terrible year, I can look at a myriad of songs that, Lost in Society released, and again, as a user of Spotify, as a subscriber, yeah, as a paid subscriber, I can enjoy that music at a very little cost. Yep. You were not getting jack shit for when I listened to it, which is a whole other fucking conversation to have, right? Oh, yeah. But as a user, I can enjoy the uh, volume of work that you and your band put out in the last few years. Yeah. But I'm also a band dude, and I understand at least some of, even though I'm not in the conversations with you and your bandmates, I understand the rationale and the the give and take that goes into getting all those releases prepared in order to be on those platforms and dude, sent out into the ether. a ton of work. I know that yeah. you know that. It's a ton of work. And I – it makes me enjoy it less. Not the songs. I love mm-hmm. the songs. It makes me enjoy – the songs uh the releases less because i know that at a certain point you guys are driving yourselves at least somewhat moderately mad trying to (laughs) trying to please a master that like we don't even really know is there it's like but at the same time when when you uh, compare that to the indecision or the poor decision making that both of our bands made in 2015 2016 2017 like yeah well you know it's it's better than it's it's better than that like too much is better than it's too like the little. opposite though right like it's like we were here and then now we're just like 
like way over here. Like so much overcompensation has has happened the last year. Yeah. But, Can I share something with you that I haven't really shared publicly because it yeah, was absolutely. such a fucking fiasco? There was, you know, like when when you go to Europe, they're like, well, you need a new record if you're going to tour in Europe. Yeah. It's like, no, like, and that's one thing that Spotify has obliterated. It was like, no, you, you don't. You don't need anything. No, <laughs> Rose, you don't need any of that shit. So uh, I was going over to do a tour in the fall of 2015, and they were like, you need a new EP. You need a new record. And I was like, I'm not, no, I'm not, like, just going to put out a new record to go do 30 dates or whatever. It's just, it ain't happening. What can we do? So the agent at the time hooked me up with a label in Germany that was wanted to do a digital EP. But this is in 2015. Digital EPs in 2015 that weren't just Bandcamp things, like it didn't it didn't really exist. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not like these songs are B-sides. They're B-sides for a reason. I, how about this? It can be released, but it can't be released in North America cuz like that was when you could choose where your song went in the world. So it went, it was supposed to go everywhere but America and Canada. Because uh-huh. I was like, that makes sense. You know, whatever. And Germany can have it. It can be like a European thing. Somehow it got so fucked that it only ended up existing in Southeast Asia. That was the <laughs> only territory. So there's songs that, that some of my diehards know, like Tamoy and uh, uh, say Catherine's and for Jay's, like just these young blood B-sides mm-hmm. that... I still see them in my Spotify thing and they have like a couple dozen plays each, which is fine. But like it existed only on that thing. And I don't, I fault the label for that mistake. And I, I talked to the label about that. That's water under the bridge. But I look back at that period of time of my own second guessing and, and wondering why I was so precious about territories and specifics and all of that. And I think that's like the lesson I I learned from this conversation is that like if there's anybody that's out there that's in that predicament now where like they have a record they're sitting on or whatever it's like no don't like don't don't sit just put it out just, just do it that's gonna be better that's gonna be a better move than waiting because yeah. if it's all if you've been sitting on it for a year already whatever was gonna happen probably was going to happen it's like just get it out it's the best thing that it it's it's that always killed us and i now like kind of reflecting i definitely think that uh this whole the past like year year and a half has definitely been like a response to that um but at the same time if we were if that was going to happen, I'm happy that it happened in a time when there wasn't really much to do. So at least as a user, like you said, good experience. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, I think that's a good place to end as any. Yeah. Well, for thanks sure. for coming on the show. Man. Yeah, dude, I appreciate of course. It. Anytime. You love to see it. You love to hear it. Thanks again to Nick Rurodi from Lost in Society and one of my new producers for coming on the Berman Hour podcast. Thanks again to our sponsors at New Wave Coffee for Creativity. Go to N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N. New Wave dot co slash Berman. Get 10% off 
your new favorite coffee. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into the Berman Hour. Peace. <laughs>